time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. Jenna Harner, nice enough to stick around for just a few more minutes because she has bright spots, people. She has she has positives. I don't look. They're few and far between. You mentioned Ricard Raquel earlier. Great point. He has been huge for this team. I don't know where they'd be offensively, especially in the last couple of games, without Raquel. Setting up Malkin against New Jersey, scoring one of his own, uh, scoring a couple of his own against the Islanders. He has looked really, really strong. So give me another bright spot. Give people a, a reason to believe, Jenna. Sidney Crosby. And I know okay. it feels like an obvious. I really yeah. know it feels like an obvious, but I, there's been a lot of discussion and I've been hearing a lot from a lot of different people in the hockey community about, is this one of his best seasons? Which is so funny because one, I feel like we ask that pretty much every year because right. this is just what he does. And this is just why he's so player he is and why he's so incredibly talented and what he do, has done for this team and franchise. But I think just with the and it's so hard. I, I kind of go a bunch of different places with this, but it's so hard to not look at him and not look at what he brings to this team and say that he elevates the play of the guys around him. And I think right. there is going to be a point because I don't think this team looks at themselves right now and is kind of like pressing the panic button the way that so many of us, I think, are. And so many people want to just because of what the results that we've seen the last couple of weeks and the problem areas that continue to plague this team. I think there is going to be a point in the next couple weeks if they keep losing games like this where you see something happen with Sid. I mean, frankly, also, he's the one that's out there. You know, he's standing up for Jake in points. Like, you don't need Sidney Crosby to be your enforcer. That is no, absolutely no. not bringing Raquel back into the conversation here. Um, the other night when Dougie Hamilton kind of had some words and some extra little shoves and pushes with Sid, you saw Ricard Raquel come skate right in and was like, yeah, no, 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 you're not going to do this. So I think there is going to be a point where if this team keeps collapsing the way that they've been collapsing, Sid's going to do something. Sid's going to say something. And they're going to be like, yeah, we can't, like, we, we got to figure this out. We got to go back to what's been helping us out. What's been bringing us success. And, you know, maybe they've already gotten to that point and maybe they're having these conversations today, right now. We don't entirely know, but I just think that there is going to be some point where this team is like, look, we know this, you know, playoff stretch that this record that we've set that they, this team has made, like, we're not going to be that team that has this blemish that w they, we were the team that right. missed the playoffs for the first time in 16 seasons. And sure as heck, not going to be the one, the reason that like Sidney Crosby doesn't make the playoffs. You know, that's a good point. It, as, as nice as it is that Mike Sullivan teaches them to keep an emotional keel uh, level, uh, level head, keep it even keeled. Um, sometimes I wonder, do they need that breaking point to find that energy? You know, you see them play well in the first period against the Devils Saturday night, but then just seemingly get lost in it for the final 40 minutes uh, and, and not look like they're, I guess, emotionally or their energy is up to the task. You see them give up these response goals that we've talked about so often, right? Whether it's early or late in a period or in the case of yesterday's game, a minute 20 after Evgeny Malkin scores, bang, Mercer gets one back for the Devils. We've seen that happen numerous times this season. And all of that, I think, feeds into a level of energy or emotion that you need to have to play this game. And yes, you want to you want to preach staying even keeled so that when, you know, a Matt Martin comes along and tries picking a fight with somebody, 
you're able to walk away from it and not get yourself yeah. in a shorthanded situation. But you also need to have that energy and emotion to snap out of it sometimes. And this team is desperately in need of it right now. Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, there's times where it's like, where's the spark? Where's the energy? Mm -hmm. I feel like there are times I'm tweeting during the game, you know, when I'm not tweeting death taxes and the Penguins allowing a quick response goal, I'm <laughs> tweeting, what's going on? Where's this energy here? Because you, you expect that, you see that. And I feel like you look at, the teams right now that are dominating, you look at the Bruins, the Hurricanes, even the Tampa Bay Lightnings of the world. You look at these teams and night in, night out, their energy, that level is consistent. And they play those full 60 minutes. Watching the stadium series, um, Caps and Hurricanes, the announcers were saying, you know, there are very few teams in the league that can play a full 60 minute game like the Carolina Hurricanes can. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Yes, this is so true. I would honestly probably tell me say about it. it, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's the Canes, it's the Bruins, and it's you know maybe put Toronto in there, although they're still kind of fluky up and down to me. And Tampa, like those are the three teams mm -hmm. right now that I'm like you can count on these teams to bring that every single night. And I think the Penguins are just they're it's like you're they're right. I don't even want to say they're right there, but it's like they're just missing that like last little bit. And it's just like, it is, it's like you want, you're like, what, what can it be? What more can they get? And I mean, the guys in the locker room, they, they know what they need. They know what's going on. And it almost, I, I almost want to say it might be kind of a breath of fresh air or a weird way where it's just like, okay, they're not panicking because they know that they just have a job to do. And I think, you know, you can play shoulda, coulda, woulda all you want, but if they had come out with even a point against the Islanders, I think it might be an entirely different conversation right now where it's like this team isn't pressing the panic button as much because they get one or two points out of a possible four versus none against the Metro, which in theory is like an eight-point swing. Yeah, and it's, it's why I, I think, look, I understand wanting to evaluate your team and what you have and what you need to do. And it's not easy to make deals given the state of things right now for, for most teams around the league. But if you're Ron Hextel, I think you have to be pressing to get something done in yeah. the next week, week and a half before the, the final few days of the deadline are upon us, because that's the kind of thing that does breathe that fresh air into the room that you're talking about, right? Like I, it's the ship has sailed already on Ryan O'Reilly, but I would have loved to have seen that move, not just because it's a, a veteran guy with cup experience who can, you know, with leadership who can, uh, who, who can play the third line and kill penalties for you, but because that's the kind of guy that walks into the room and bang, there's an instant spark. Um, to, to bring it back to that though, and the idea of making a move, I'm going to put you in Ron Hextall's shoes for just a minute. Your Penguins general manager, Jenna Harner. We now know that the, the third line needs to be taken care of. That is unquestionably something that needs to be addressed at the deadline. We know that uh, goaltending may be something that I don't know if Hextall wants to address it, but certainly is something that needs to be thought about. Uh, depth on defense, I'll be quite honest. Chad Ruedel looked way out of his depth Saturday night against the Devils. He had an awful game, and I don't know if that's the guy I want to turn to as my seventh defenseman come the playoffs when there's an injury or two and Dumoulin for that matter. Um, although he's been better of late is still not, you know, vintage Brian Dumoulin. So I lay all those things out before you general manager, Jenna Harner. And I ask you, what does your to-do list your, your by priority look like with just 10 days to go until the deadline? 
Well, I do think it starts with the question of what's going on with Tristan Jari, because Mike Sullivan, ahead of the Devils game, when he did his, you know, pregame uh, meet with the avail- meet with the media and his availability, he was talking about how, you know, Jari has also not not just been seeing the team doctors, but a group of outside consultants. And that was something that was really intriguing to me because yeah. What entirely does he mean by that? What is the status of Tristan Jari? And hopefully we'll learn in a couple days more. Is he trending towards, is he going to be able to play? And is he going to be able to be even 80% of himself? Because clearly it seems like he's kind of dealing with, and it's more going to be more, it seems at least from the get the readings I'm kind of getting, it seems like it's going to be more of like a pain management type of thing and him kind of like managing things that might mm. be, out, you know, that might require something more at the end of the season. I don't entirely know, but something along those lines, I think you have to see, like, they're probably, you know, in closed door, in closed rooms, figuring out what's going on and what's going to be the reality of the situation. Because to me, if Tristan Jari can't come back or can't come back at 70, 80%, goaltending has to be addressed because as much as it's, it's been Casey Smith, when he's been great this season, he has been great. But when we saw against the Islanders, when he's not, he's not. And this team can't count on this team to win games by scoring five, six goals when the power play struggles have been continuing. And when generating offense comes from the top two lines. So it kind of feels like immediately if goaltending is going to be a bigger question, I think you kind of have to see if you can address it. Unfortunately, it's just tough in that way. I think the cap situation with this team right now is incredibly handcuffed. You're going to have to dump some guy. It's just what, who, who's a valuable trade asset, which I feel bad saying, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I've been hearing people talking about potentially a Jake Gensel move. And to me, I'm just like, that, that doesn't feel, I, I don't feel like that's going to be the solution. And that feels like it would be kind of like trying to mortgage things now for, yeah a future that might not be coming. So depth is no doubt a huge depth on, especially the third line is also kind of my two areas. So basically long-winded answer of me saying, I think that you need to look at goaltending and what the situation with Jari is going to be in his injuries. And if it's going to be something more pressing, go in that route, but no doubt. I mean, scoring depth is going to be huge here. If you want to make a deep Stanley cup run, I mean, 16 to 17, Brian Russ was a third line guy. Yeah. So that right there, I mean, just, and, and that that circles back around to something I've seen some people talk about is, hey, do you want to swing big on a top six forward? Because then you can slide Roster Zucker down to the third line, fill out that third line with a little bit more offensive potential and firepower. But now you're talking about a goaltending position that may need addressed, right? We're talking about... Uh, if you're going to gun for a top six forward, that's going to cost you a pretty penny. To your point, the cap space isn't there, so you're going to have to foist somebody off, maybe include a third team to get yeah. the, the cap space available to eat up a salary of somebody coming back in. I mean, look, this is what Ron Hextall gets paid the the big bucks for, as they would say, but like, yeah. I don't know if there's enough creativity. It's not a shot at Ron Hextall. I just don't know how many GMs are going to be able to find the creativity that, for example, Kyle Dubas found to pull off the O'Reilly and Achari trade. Like you're talking about four draft picks. You're talking about a third team involved just to eat a quarter of O'Reilly's salary. That's what the Penguins would have to do just to get that top six forward. And now we're talking about folding in the goaltending issue on top of it, a depth defenseman perhaps as well. I don't, I don't think there's enough time, enough resources, enough anything for Hextall to get all of that done. And you end up coming back to, well, maybe this is just what they have. And if this is what they have, then 
it comes back to, like you said, a Sidney Crosby, someone in leadership walking into the room one day and saying, guys, this is not it. We've got to figure it out because we can't be this bad in our own division because that's what's going to get us smoked in the first round again. Yeah, and look, like we saw a little bit of how Hextall and Burke kind of handled last year because of the fact that they did wait. And there are they are guys that it seems like they're going to wait more for, hey, this deal is here. This is good. This is what we're looking for. Like everything that I heard, it seemed like they did, weren't going to get Raquel because of what the offering price was. And then the day that trade deadline happened and the offering price that came down for Raquel, all of a sudden it was like, Hey, this is a deal we do want to make. So it does feel like from what we saw last year, they're gonna wait a little bit longer. They both kind of have tended to do that. And Hextel has continued to do that when in his time in Philly and obviously his time here. So I, I, it's tough because you want something to happen immediately because you want right. something to be like, you know, get this guy in now, make a move before these guys are gone type situations. But I feel like they're going to be patient more than anything, and that could be a good thing, or that could end up kind of biting them in the butt. And just unfortunately, again, we keep going back to the cap. I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see things, everyone's going to have a lot easier of a time, and it'll be intriguing to see kind of how the league shifts based on all the surplus of money that's going to be coming in compared to what these teams have been dealing with because of COVID the last handful of seasons. But it's just the way of the NHL right now. And that's one one thing that one final thing before I let you run that as people and, and look, looking into the future is an important part of, of talking about this organization because Sidney Crosby may want to play until he's 45. I don't know. He strikes me as the Tom Brady type that will play as long as he can keep his yeah. game elevated at that level. Um, Malkin and Latang, Latang's under contract for another five years. He's not going anywhere. Malkin, we don't know. But my point is. I'm not as worried. People keep coming back to the first round pick and, you know, mortgaging the future. I'm not as worried about that because I do look at it and say, hey, the cap is going to go up in the next couple of years. There will be a financial bounce back from the post-COVID, post-pandemic effect. And at that point, I'm not as worried about Hextall's ability to draft a first round pick in 2023 because you will be able to go out and spend money on free agency and bring bring players in that you need to get through what people just presume are going to be the post Crosby Malkin Latang doldrums, right? Like you don't have to resign yourself to the fact that it's going to be Rico Fada and Ramsey Abid and the X generation because <laughs> It is a capped league, and when the cap goes up, you're going to be able to spend to it. Fenway Sports Group will spend to the cap. This isn't going to be you know, the late 90s, early 2000s when you had to mortgage off Yarmer Yager because you couldn't afford to pay him, and you had to mortgage off everything because you didn't have the money and there was no cap in place. We're, we're, we're not in that world anymore. So I don't worry as much about the future. I am here for Ron Hextall making as many moves as he can now, today, to not just get him into the playoffs for a 17th straight year, but hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, actually get beyond the first round of the playoffs. Jenna, thanks so much for taking the time today. I really do appreciate it. Um, let's hope we're talking uh, a little while down the line again when we catch up about a team that's maybe found something, especially post-trade deadline. But I'm not holding out hope that they'll get anything done sooner rather than later. Again, I really appreciate you taking the time today to join. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Great stuff, as always, from Jenna Harner. Love chopping it up with her. Uh, And it makes a ton of great points, uh, not the least of which is if this team is not able to bring all the pieces in that they would like to bring in, then the guys that they have are the kind of veteran leaders, especially at the top of the roster, with the the letters on the front of their jersey uh, in Crosby, Malkin, and Letang, 
who have to be able to take control of the room and get things moving in the right direction, get guys to follow their lead, and they need to follow Mike Sullivan's lead, which again, to the point Jenna and I talked about earlier, has to include playing simpler hockey, especially especially with the playoffs approaching and so many games left in the Metro, big games against not just the Islanders, but a huge week coming up in March against the Rangers when they play three times. They've got to they've got to simplify their game. And yes, it's on Ron Hextall to go out and add a piece or two, or maybe more. Uh, but it's on those guys to to prove to Hextall that they can play the way Sullivan wants them to. Uh, and if they don't start doing that, then the troubles will only continue. When you've got Edmonton coming to town, you got another game against the Islanders before that. Uh, you got another back to back as part of this six games in ten day stretch where. You'll be coming home late after a game in St. Louis to a waiting Tampa Bay Lightning team in Pittsburgh. Um, They got to get it together quick, whether Hextall adds something to the mix right away or waits until the deadline to do it. Thanks so much for listening to another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Be sure to subscribe inside your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts so that every new episode gets sent directly to your app. Again, whether it's Odyssey or another service you use to get your podcast. We update it three times a week. We keep you on top of things here. As again, the deadline approaches, the stretch run continues, and the playoffs, hopefully, fingers crossed again, knock on wood, uh, the playoffs in the offing for a 17th consecutive season for these Pittsburgh Penguins. Again, I mentioned Islanders, Oilers, and then a back-to-back situation all upcoming. Eric Tangrady will rejoin for a new episode on Tuesday. Following episode, we'll have Tango again. Uh, We'll talk to Hunter Hodes of Locked on Penguins later in the week. Uh, We'll get some previews from out beyond uh, the other side of the league. Yeah, we'll talk to Jason Greger from Edmonton ahead of that Crosby-McDavid-Penn's Oilers matchup in the middle of the week. Plenty still to come. Thanks again for downloading, listening, rate, and review on your way out as well. This is Chris Mack for another edition of Fifth Avenue Faceoff.